to my soul. Blessed Jesus, my Lord, hear me, O Savior, Psalms. Amen. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 27. God bless you each one. I welcome you to the house of the Lord tonight again. So appreciate the presence of the Lord that's here. I believe you each one brought your lick of fire. Amen. Are you with me this evening? Amen. Amen. We're not tired. We're not tired. These bodies might be, but that's not the real you. So we're not tired. Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 27. You can turn the monitors down a little bit, Brother Jeremy. I'd appreciate that. Appreciate the young brothers helping out in the sound and in the, in the video and raising up. God bless you. Amen. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Amen. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
And in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads one more time together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we know that you are here. Lord, not just by a presence, Lord, that we feel, but Father, by your word that is unfailing. I said, River, two or three are gathered in my name. You will be there in the midst of them. Lord, we know that to be yea and amen. And Lord Jesus, we ask now that you just take the remainder of this service over. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 You may have your seats if you like. And as you're seated, maybe you could turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. A very familiar uh, portion of Scripture to anyone who believes the message. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, which says, And now, when they heard this, this is Peter who had preached this, uh, I'll say, landmark message on the day of Pentecost. And he had, they had, pre- he had preached this message, and now it says, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And he says, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and is to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Amen. I sure am happy verse 40 is in there where it says, and he spoke unto them many other words. That gives the rest of us ministers a little bit of grace to realize Peter didn't just preach about 20 verses. He actually spoke many other words, that, but the point of the message could be put in, put into the, the 20 or so verses and then all the backing up statements that begin to solidify the word of God in their hearts so that when they heard it, what shall we do? They didn't immediately go to the waters of baptism, but, but immediately they begin to hear the word to begin to be solidified in their hearts so they could have faith in what they were hearing. It wasn't just Peter, but Peter could expound to them the scriptures of what what he was talking about, that this wasn't something just pulled out of the blue, but this has been written in the Word of God all down through the Old Testament. And now what we're preaching is the manifestation of what, 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 what it was talking about and what Jesus was talking about. This is what he was pointing to. And it could solidify them. They said, okay, now we have confidence to go down and be baptized. And about 3,000 were added to the church that day. And we know that even if I could start out this way in, 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 a, in, a, in a quote, as, as this evening I want to take a title of, of the final revelation. The final revelation is what we'll call it tonight. And, and there will be a final revelation. There will be something that will happen that eventually will go out of here. 
Amen. There will be something that will be the end. That will be God will have given somebody the faith that will put the whole bride together in the complete body and it will cause the dead in Christ to rise and will be caught away together to meet the Lord in the air. There will come a final time and we're looking forward to when those moments are and we're looking forward to seeing our loved ones rise up out of the ground again and seeing them walk up our driveway, seeing them come into church again. Our eyes become open really to them all around us. Amen. And we're looking forward to that time. But as it is, we have to walk by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. And Brother Branham would talk about it this way in, 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 in the message, uh, in the, actually the Patmos Vision in the Church Age book. He says, look at it this way. He says, all too many people read the Bible where it says it in Acts 2 and 38. It says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you just pass right on. He says, you don't see it. If they saw it by getting in the Spirit, they would know that if they want to receive the Holy Spirit, they need to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God would be duty-bound to fulfill His Word by filling them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a promise. It's not just words in the Bible. This isn't new to us. Just stay with me here. This is a Wednesday night, and we're going to try and take it slowly if we can. But it says they never, Brother Brown says, but they never get in his spirit, or it would happen to them exactly as the word says. Amen. Pray to God for a revelation by his spirit. Not just pray for him for revelation, but pray for him for revelation by his spirit. Get into the spirit first. You say, but I, I'm looking for the new birth. He says, he'll fill me with the Holy Ghost. That's the promise. But that's, we can step into the spirit of God and to, to hear the word. That's why we come and we create an atmosphere in a service to sing and to create an atmosphere so that we can receive the revelation that he has for us to come through the ministering of the word. Amen. And we ought to pray to God for more revelation. If we can't think of anything else to pray for, and I think there's a lot to pray for in this day and age, Satan is attacking um, every way that he can, but prayer changes things. And he says, pray to God for a revelation by the Spirit. That is the first step. Get in the Spirit. Amen. Get in the Spirit. That's the first step. Let me just use another illustration. He says, he says suppose you need healing. What does the word say? He says, well, we all read it countless times, but did you, did you get in the spirit when you were reading it? Did we ask God for his spirit to teach us the real truth of it? He said he would send his spirit and it'll lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. In other words, you need to be in that spirit in order to receive the truth of the word. The truth is the person of Jesus Christ. In order to receive the revelation of Jesus in every verse in the word of God, you've got to step into his spirit in order for him to step into you. Amen. Says, but did we ask God for his spirit to teach us the real truth of it? If we did, we would call the elders of the church. We would confess our sins. We would be anointed and prayed for. And that would be that. Amen. It might not come immediately. But in his spirit, it's all over. There's no other court of appeal. 
Hallelujah. There's no higher court. When the Word of God says it's done in the Spirit, it's done. Amen. There's no other place you can go to say, well, that didn't seem to work. Let's go somewhere else. You've already gone to the highest authority. You've taken it right to the throne of God and said, Lord, your word has said, and now I'm stepping into your spirit, and by your Holy Spirit, I believe it's the truth. It's yay and amen. And so it's finished because he is obligated to back up his own word. Hallelujah. God will fulfill his word. We need to get in the spirit and then things will be done. Don't go through the acts first. In the church age book, this part here, this, this sentence is, is in capitalization and I like it. It's in capitalization. He says, don't, don't go through the acts first. But he says, but get in the spirit and then go through the acts Hallelujah. Don't come up for prayer and say, well, I just, I'm hoping that your prayer will bring me in. No, get in the spirit first. Believe the word of God first. Amen. You don't come up for water baptism to say, well, I hope that by the baptism of the the water, I'll just be regenerated. No. So it's it's an outward confession of something that's already taken place on the inside. In other words, God's already moved. He's moved on you through his Holy Spirit. It's been a work of the Spirit. You've been stepping into that, and now you can't help but perform the word of God. Get in the spirit first and then go through the acts and watch what God will do. Hallelujah. Peter preached that wonderful landmark message about what this was all about. Men and brethren, these these men are not drunk as you would suppose, seeing as it is about the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. And he began to expound upon the word of God, upon what was happening. What was the word of God doing? The people didn't have revelation of what was going on when they saw the outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It didn't give the people revelation when they seen them stumbling out and speaking in tongues. They were asking, what's this all about? As a matter of fact, they got the wrong impression. They thought they were drunk. And sometimes that's what those things will manifest. But the Word of God brings revelation. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. It's not overly deep tonight, but I trust it's, it's going to feed your soul. Brother Branham says in the thinking man's filter, he says, A woman that liveth in pleasure with her bobbed hair and her painted face is dead while she is alive. The Bible said so. See, see she may be religious, but she never was saved. She's got an outward motion. She might even sing in the choir. Oh, now it gets stronger. She might even dance in the spirit. She might even speak in tongues and have all the manifestations of the spirit. But unless that soul on the inside is God's daughter, she's gone no matter what she does. Hallelujah. See, you've got to get in the spirit first. Before you have all these other things, if you have them before you get in the Spirit, that's fine, but get them after. Get in the Spirit first, then God will back you up. Israel was all outwardly, spiritually, all filled with God's goodness and oh, how they reverenced God and so forth. But that didn't work. Inside of them couldn't recognize the Word itself. In other words, he's saying, listen, 
When Jesus came, they had all the temple, all the worship, all the piety, all of the, the outward righteousness, all of these things going on that it looked like he would call them in one place, your kind old priest, going on and saying that surely you believe your kind old priest is exuding all of these great, you know, uh, uh, fruits of the Spirit. If you're so kind and so loving, so joyful, you know, he's always there for you, all these things. But he says, but they couldn't recognize the word itself because in them was nothing to receive it. But when you're born of the Spirit of God, then you're a son of God. And you always was a son of God. And you always will be a son of God. And there's no way to separate it because you have eternal life. And eternal life never did begin and it never will end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not something that you become. You always were. But what makes you become a son of God is the fact that you have now a revelation of what you always were. Hallelujah. That's the change. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12 to 13 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, all are members of one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have all, we have all been made to drink of one spirit. In the message oneness, Brother Branham would say, he says, here we are in the end time, coming from the east and the west, the north and the south. What are we doing? We're getting ready for that rapture. Amen. Coming from this way to that way to this way to that way, for what purpose? Not to gather in a place but to gather in Christ. By one spirit, baptized into one body. He says, oh, holding ourselves steady for a few minutes till every fiber is filled with the Holy Ghost. Then she'll go up. Listen again, holding ourselves steady for a few minutes until every fiber. Hallelujah bringing all these once unruly members of unrighteousness into being members of righteousness. Every fiber filled with the Holy Ghost. Then she'll go up. So, oh, Brother Andrew, that's got to be a whole lot of dancing and shouting and screaming. He says, hold steady. Let me put it to you another way from another... Christ is revealed in his own word. He says, a fine minister said a while ago, said, Brother Branham, if I could just have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Brother Branham told him, son, the revival's over, see. He says, now the stabilizer's been put on the ship. He says, great fearful waves are out here before us, but we know just beyond that wave yonder, we're nearing the shore. See, we're nearing the shore. Just stay stable. Just stay in the Word. Stay with God. No matter how you feel, what anything else, stay right with the Word. Let it, let it stay stable when you see them great big old clouds around us and storms are coming and atomic bombs and everything else we're talking about. But our stabilizer is right here in the Word. God said it would be, it would be here. We'll crest every one of them. It doesn't matter how big a tsunami comes at us. 
the Word of God will crest every one of them. It's the stabilizer that has been put on this ship. Praise God. We'll go right over the top of them. Yes, indeed, they can't sink us. They can't drown us. They'll put us in the grave. We'll come right back out again. That's just all there is to it. There ain't no way in the world to keep it down there. We'll crest every one of them because our great chief captain is calling us at the other side. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's calling at his word. If you call somebody, Marshall, that's a word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. He can't add to that or take away from it. It's finished. It's complete. He's calling us. Amen. It'll never fail. If he ever called you, he'll never lose you. Hallelujah. Oh my, calling his people together, going back to the message oneness, he says, oh my, then she'll go up. He says, calling his people together to himself in the true oneness with himself because it's his one Holy Spirit. By one spirit, we're all individually baptized into one body collectively, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ living with his spirit in our flesh is serving the church and doing the same things that he did as a sign, as an ensign to the world. And we're in the last days getting ready for the rapture. Hallelujah. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God and his family calling themselves to him. Father over all supreme, when we crest that last wave, when we reach it over there, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sickness. Hallelujah. There'll be no more heartaches, no sorrow, no nothing, just joy unspeakable. Never be sick, never have a heartache, just one with God. What a picture. That's what we're coming to because the very nature of God was in these people. And therefore, what they did, they followed just in line with God. And God was, was with them, made them one. Now, Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 11, Jesus prayed and said that, that, that he would be one, that we would be one like he and the Father were one. That the church, as we as members of the body of Christ, would be one together just like he and the Father were one. And that that day, we would know that he was in the Father, the Father in him, and he in us. And together, we are one. What a union. A oneness that would be to see God in his church till every member is just perfectly in harmony with each other. And God. Perfectly in harmony. With each other. Brother Philip. You and I. With each other. And God. Perfectly in harmony. That's the church. That Jesus is coming for. That's his words not mine. I'm still reading the quote. That's the church. That Jesus is coming for. That's when his prayer will be answered. 
that we will be one. Oh, my. He says, notice, redeem back with him. Calling us back. We're going home. Back to eternal life. He puts this in there, speaking of the millennium. In a human body, eating, drinking, living forever. Isaiah 65 says, they would build houses and inhabit them. Plant vineyards and eat the fruit. They'll build it and not another take it. The children won't take it. They'll be there with their offspring. He'll build it and stay there. He don't build and another eat. He builds it and eats himself. Hallelujah, thousand-year millennium. Proving the curse is over. What is it? He says it's his bride going back with him. Redeemed back to the original Adam and Eve again. For death is left behind. That's one thing in this world that people just can't seem to leave behind. They're always looking ahead to it. But in that day, there's no looking ahead to death. Death is left behind. That door is no more there. That river is no more there. It's just a river of life flowing out. Hallelujah. We look back at the cross and see that death has been paid. And now, now he backs up. And now, today, by faith, we are resurrected with him. Sitting in heavenly places right now, looking back to what redeemed us, Waiting for the husband to come to march on home with him. Hallelujah. By faith, we're already looking back. Death is left behind. So it hasn't happened yet, Brother Andrew. I'm still in this body. By faith, what do we walk by? Faith or sight? Faith. It says, now the threefold purpose of God manifested in Adam and Eve. Every prophet and down through the ages and he that is to come. God's always manifesting that threefold purpose. He says, he that was, he that was, he that he which is, and he which is to come. The whole manifestation, the revelation of the word of God, Adam and Eve going back home again, redeemed God making himself known. I love the way Brother Brown puts these words. He says, I'm building to something, so just stay with me here. He says, the whole manifestation, the revelation of the word of God, Adam and Eve going back home again, redeemed. It's God making himself known. He says, he'll sit upon the throne of David and shall rule and rule all the nations with the rod of iron. There will be a tree on each side, the tree of life on each side of the river of life. He says, each nation will come in and the healing will be these leaves. They will take the healing for the nations. The kings shall bring their honor into it. There will be nothing can defile it. This is speaking now of eternity. The new Jerusalem come down and all these things. Talk about Revelations 21, 22. It says, and the Mount Zion will have the light on her all day and night, and the redeemed shall walk in that light. Oh, hallelujah. To think, that's not a mythical story. It's not a theological conception. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
He explains exactly what that is, what, what it's talking about in Revelation 21, 22. What's it talking about? It's a revelation of what? Jesus Christ. By his word, which is outshining. <laughs> Been true in all ages, and it's true in this age. It's true here and now. It's true with me. It's true with you and every man and woman that holds this revelation. Amen. That's why you can say in John 14, where I go, you know, and the place you know. He says, why? Well, if you, we don't know where you're going, how do we know? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Amen. There, there's a place where I've got for you, and it's just as real back then in John 14. It's just as real today. Amen. It's a more of a reality because we've come that much closer to it. Hallelujah. There's just that last wave to crest that final wave, but stay in the boat. The stabilizers are on the ship. Trust in the Word of God. Don't take on anything else. There's more and more voices today that have come out to say, well, what you really need is this, and what you really need is that. This is going to get you closer to God. That's going to get you closer to God. This is what's going to get you closer to God. Because this is the Word that is eternal. Hallelujah. That's why we believe this message in the first place. Because it's this Word revealed. Oh my, think of it. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. To see God himself making himself known and pulsating himself through the life. And you're a prisoner to him now. You are his love prisoner. Hallelujah. Oh, think about a prisoner. A prisoner doesn't have any rights. A prisoner doesn't have, they don't get up for a mealtime. They don't bang on the, on the door of the jail cell and say, hey, I'm hungry now. That's nice. Mealtime's in two hours. You're going to have to go hungry then. That's just the way it is. They don't have any rights. Well, it comes mealtime. Well, I'm not hungry right now. You woke me up from asleep. That's nice. You're coming out and we're going to eat now. Amen. Oh, praise be to God. Brother Andrew, I was so tired on Wednesday, I didn't feel like coming to church. But the Holy Ghost in you said, it's time to eat. And you said, yes, Lord, I don't got no rights. So I came to church anyhow. Sunday morning you woke up, and he said, all right, I'm too tired. But something in you said, get out of bed. It's time to go to church. You're going to be late if you don't hurry up. Why? You don't got no rights because you're a love prisoner. It's not that you're, it's a love in your body, but it's a love from the inside pulsating out of life. It says, I have to do it. I have to do it. Why? Because I love him. Brother Brandon would use the example of him and his wife, and he would talk about it, and he says, uh, what if I was to go overseas? He says, if I was to go overseas, I don't take my wife aside and tell her, well, listen, no, honey, you don't do any wrong. You don't do you don't whatever with any other man. You don't do anything. You don't make no eyes. You don't do nothing. Well, I'm gone, and she'd take him by the tie and say, well, listen now, honey. He says, wouldn't that be some kind of house to live in? No, he said, that's not the way it is. That's an understanding. We pray with one another because there's a love there. There's a relationship. And he says, pre-adventure, I went out and something happened. He says, I would come back home to her. And I would say, honey, you know I love you and I wouldn't do anything to hurt you. But this and this happened and I'm so sorry. And he says, and listen, I would rather die than hurt her. Hallelujah, I thank God I'm in the same kind of relationship with my wife. I would rather die than hurt that woman sitting back there. I'd rather die than that. Don't you think God's the same way? 
Or do you think we ought to have the same kind of love relationship with God? I would rather die than hurt my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to come into a harmony with him? Why don't we go around nudging our brothers and our sisters and you ain't got, I'm better, I'm better. No. How are we going to come into harmony with God? Harmony with one another. Let me pull back my thick skin for a little bit and tell you how to hurt me real quick. You want to hurt Brother Andrew? Hurt my wife. It's just honest. You want to really make Brother Andrew angry? Do something to her. You'll see me in the flesh real quick. But I pray God's got enough of me that I'll be able to get on my knees and pray for you. But you might not want that prayer. Because I love her. You want to hurt God? You say, I'd never do anything to hurt God. Then don't hurt his bride. We ought to live in harmony with each other and God. You're a love prisoner to him. The world can laugh and make fun of you and say, Come on out, you go, you could go, but you're a prisoner. The other women can act like Hollywood, but not you. Because you're a prisoner. (laughs) You're a prisoner to Christ. The other women could put on makeup no problem, but not you. Because you're a prisoner to Christ. The other men don't bother them to tell smutty jokes, but not you. Because you're a prisoner to Christ. It don't bother them to smoke and drink and carry on, but not you, because you're a prisoner to Christ, a prisoner to his word, a love prisoner to God. Hallelujah. You you can't help it. Why? Because something has been made a revelation within you that you know that he is yours and you are his. And you don't ever want to hurt that relationship. There is nothing worth hurting that. Not because Brother Andrew said so, but because there's something in your heart. There's a life on the inside as Paul's heading out. Hallelujah. To the church, from the message, the rapture in 1965, December. He says, to the church, the bride, the rapture is a revelation to her. It's revealed to her. The revelation, the true bride of Christ will be waiting for that revelation of the rapture. (laughs) Now it is a revelation, for the revelation is faith. I'm reading that exactly as he says it. Now it is a revelation, for the revelation is faith. You cannot have a revelation without it being faith. Faith is a revelation because it's something that's revealed to you. Faith is a revelation. Faith is something that has been revealed to you like it was to Abraham. Hallelujah. Who could call anything else contrary to what had been revealed to him as though it wasn't so? Abraham, 
who waited 25 years for that promise. But the whole time, it was a revelation. He held that in his heart. He had such faith that he knew somehow, some way, God's going to bring this to pass. And it didn't matter how old he got. It didn't matter how old Sarah got. It didn't matter how dried up her womb came. It didn't matter how impossible it was. The doctor said that'll never happen. And if it ever would, it'd kill her. He said, it's a revelation. Everything else was false. The revelation was the reality. But it took 25 years to go from that dimension to the visible dimension. Oh my. It was a revelation to him the whole time. By faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called out, called to go out into a place where he should have, after received an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. I was, listen, he didn't have the knowledge, but he had the faith. The knowledge will come, he said, but I got a foundation. I believe the word of God. He says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. This had become such a revelation to him. We could say that faith is the revelation and the city Abraham was looking for was not a mythical dream. It was a revelation to him. And it just got increased further and further as he got closer, as he walked in the promised land and God said, this is the land I'll give you. It was a confirmation that the revelation was true. It was a confirmation that the revelation he had back here, now it come to fruition. Now he had faith to believe a little bit farther. And he had faith to go a little bit farther. That when he said, I'll visit you according to the time of life, of course you will because you've never failed me before. That doesn't matter how long it's going to take. What matters is I don't care if it's this time of life or the next cycle or the cycle after that or the cycle after that. You're going to visit me. Because you said so. Because faith is the revelation, amen, that became so real to him. It was such a revelation, so much so that he and his children wanted to be buried in the promised land because they knew this is the place that God promised this would happen. So I need to stay right here, oh my, because death can't even stop the promise. He knew he'd obtain the city. He was so certain of that that when God said, go sacrifice Isaac, he'd already had the revelation. The revelation didn't cease when Isaac was born. It became stronger. <laughs> because when he said, go sacrifice Isaac, he didn't go, but, but this is the revelation you gave me. No, he says, hey, it's still a revelation. If I slay him, he gave me as one from the dead, so he's able to give me him from the dead again. What difference does it make? The revelation didn't change. 
Hallelujah. He knew it was to be. Abraham just held on to God's word. He believed God. That's all he had to do. He didn't look at how impossible it was. He just accepted and took God at his word and went to rejoicing over it. God loved that. What are we rejoicing about? It says rejoice because your name is written before the foundation of the world. In other words, he gave you an invitation. It's yours. You can have it. Thank you. He's already got an invitation. Came to the wrong guy. He can rejoice over it because he knows that it's real. He can rejoice as though he's already there. Because potentially, hallelujah, potentially, he's already received it. Call anything else contrary. How's it going to be? Revelation doesn't try and figure out how it's going to happen. I am positive. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If there's a quote up there that says differently. But I am positive Abraham was not thinking, you know, I bet God's going to turn us young again. That probably did not cross his mind. But he just believed the word. And God brought it to pass. Revelation doesn't try and figure out how it's going to happen. It just believes it. You wonder, how's the rapture going to happen, Brother Andrew? I don't care. I just believe it. How's the body changing? What's going to happen to this flesh when I step into a new body? I don't care. It's just going to happen. But what about what will we eat over there? What what will it be like at the... I don't care. We'll eat the flesh of kings and this and that. Will it be fruit? I don't care. But I'll be there. Because the revelation isn't trying to figure out how it's all going to work and how it's all going to fit together. What all is going to happen. But it happened. That's what science is for. How'd the universe get created? God said, let there be. But I'm asking you how. I told you how. God said, let there be, and he believed his own word. And that settled it. By faith, God formed the worlds. I don't need any more of an explanation than that. But science needs more of an explanation. We're not called to be scientists. We're called to be believers. The rapture is a revelation to them. We're not trying to figure out the rapture, but we believe the rapture. That's now faith is what faith faith that's what faith is is a revelation of God. The church is built upon a revelation. The whole entire body is built on revelation. The revelation of who Jesus Christ is. See, if you have a revelation of divine healing, then you have the faith for divine healing. If you have a revelation that you're healed by his stripes, I'm healed then you have the faith because faith is the revelation. If you have faith for the healing of a toothache, 
you have faith for the healing of cancer. Because the revelation isn't circumstance specific. All right, let's go back to Abraham here for a minute. Abraham went outside of the promise and down there to Egypt. Told them that that's his sister. Got way in a horrible circumstance. Did that change the revelation? Not for a minute. The revelation changed the circumstance. Because faith is the revelation. If you've got a revelation of divine healing, it doesn't matter what needs healing. The revelation remains the same. God's word doesn't change. Oh, praise be to God. And it doesn't matter how God will do it. The revelation is that he's my healer. Hallelujah. Faith is not situation specific. Faith is word specific. If the word says it, it's so. Faith lays a hold of it. We all know, in the message of rapture, we all know we're living in the Laodicean age. Amen? Amen. We will never be another age to it. It can't be so. We're living in the Laodicean age. And these seven seals that's held in this book is a mystery to people. It should be open at that day. That's what he promised. We know they've been open in our day, in Laodicean age. So now it won't be nothing outside of the word because you can't add to the word or take away from the word. It's got to always remain the word. But the revelation is to reveal the truth of it. What it is. To make it fit with the rest of the scripture. And then God vindicates that to be the truth. See, God don't need no interpreter. He's the interpreter of his own word. He does his own interpretation by bringing to pass the things that he said would happen. Like in the beginning when he said, let there be light, and there was light. You don't need any interpretation. It was vindicated. Was it light out today? It's still vindicated. Praise God. It's still being vindicated today. He divided the light from the darkness. Look out the window. It's still being vindicated today. Amen. The greater light went down, the lesser light came up, called the moon, and there's darkness over the face of this earth. Why? Because God said so. He said, let it be. And it was. Hallelujah. So why does it change? He said, the promise is to you and to your children and them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, if he said it will be that way, it will be that way. If he said, by your stripes I'm healed. Amen. He said, it will be that way. It will be that way. Amen. If you have the revelation of divine healing, and then you have faith for a resurrection. Because divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. Hallelujah. So if you've ever experienced divine healing and have faith for that, you've got faith for resurrection. So there goes your fear of death. Gone. Praise be to God, because by faith, you are already resurrected with him. Because you had the revelation of divine healing. See how the word just interconnects and loops within itself over and over again? 
He says, now, I've heard, but now I see. He says, now, he says, now that you are, now that when you're prayed for, you don't have to run back through a line or get someone else to pray for you. When you know you've done exactly what God told you to do, see, then wait for that channel of inspiration to open up to you. In other words, you fulfilled the word. Amen. Now wait for the spirit to come behind and manifest it. He says, oh, and now I'm healed. When it drops in there, it's all over. You don't need no prayer lines, nothing else. It's over. It's been revealed to you. Oh, revelation. If you have revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you, now I'm going to make a big statement, then you have faith for a rapture. Why does it get so quiet? Because the personal revelation of Jesus Christ is the new birth. And the new birth is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's Ephesians. He says, but our inheritance is what? Is Christ. Let's go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I still got some time, about 15 minutes. You take it very simply and you can say, well, what is the new birth? It's a token. Holy Ghost is the token. What's the minimum requirement for the rapture? Token. What do you need to get on that train? You need to take it. Right? So if you've got faith, if you've received the revelation personally to you of who Jesus Christ is, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 11. It says, "For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, "I believed, and therefore have I spoken." We also believe and therefore speak. That's pretty black and white. It says, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For for which cause we faint not, but though... Our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How do we look at those things? By faith. And they become our revelation to us. It says, and now, now just jump down another verse. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know 
Just look into the unseen. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What was Abraham looking for? A city whose foundations were not made with hands. They were made by God. He says, we have another house waiting for us. For in this we groaned, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, this flesh, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. He's the one that did it. Who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. In other words, what's the down payment of this? The new birth. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the earnest. If you've been born again, you have potentially the rapture. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, you have another one waiting for you. Because you have the faith for a new birth, you have the faith for a new body. Just keep feeding on the word. Just stay in the ship. Let me go a little further. In the Easter seal, it says, but in this last message that went forth, there come a flying eagle. It's eagle time. Reveal time. The word of God made manifest. The word of God proved Oh, children, walk into this baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come in and believe it with all your heart. God will fill you. He says, look here, we find now, remember, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. As God raised his bones and flesh out of the grave, they can't hide the man that has the potentials. Death can't take him. Jesus said, all the Father has given me will come to me. I'll raise him. Up at the last day. Oh my, he says, what an Easter. He says, when he raised, we raised with him. He sent the abstract back, and we hold it as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is alive forevermore, the same yesterday and forever. Hebrews 13, 8 proves that he's the same. The messianic anointed ones believe that. What is the Messiah? What is the Messiah? The Messiah is the anointed one. And now he was the Messiah by being the anointed one for that day to fulfill the word of God, to be the redeemer and the anointed one. And God raised up that body. His bride is the anointed one for this day. It's already raised with him in resurrection because these two are one. Hallelujah. The resurrection. We are now in the resurrection. We are setting with him in the resurrection. But only those who have life. Not those who don't have life. They won't know it. They'll never know it. 
they'll go right on thinking they're getting the Holy Ghost, being saved, and the rapture will be done and over with and gone. Elias has already come. He said they didn't know it. They knew it not. He says, notice, death does not stop the quickening power of God. Death can't stop it. He says, well, my mother was a spirit-filled woman. My daddy, I, my goodness, I've never seen anyone filled so much with the power of God. But they died. He said, but that didn't stop the quickening power. Hallelujah. Rapturing faith is not a workup. Rapturing faith is not an excitement. Oh, there's excitement with it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not an excitement. It's not a shout. It's not a dance. All those things are good. Listen, Brother Branham would say this. He says, they, oh, he says, all right, there was voices. He says, we need in Jefferson, but we need in Edmonton. Thousands of lived voices, the thunder of God thundering out a sweetness and a holiness, purity, undefiled lives, walking around in the earth today without a blemish. Yes, sir, real Christians. That's thunder against the enemy. He says, if the devil don't care how loud you can holler, the devil don't care how loud or how much you can jump. Or how much you can do this or shout. Listen, I care, okay? Because it helps me preach. When you shout and when you jump. But that's not going to kill the devil. The shouting and the jumping don't kill the devil. He don't care about that. But he says, listen, he says, but what hurts the devil is to see that sanctified, holy life consecrated to God. And says anything to him, call him anything, just as sweet as can be. Just move right on. That throws the devil away. That's the thunder that shakes the devil. Oh, praise be to God. That's the thunder that shakes the devil. When we can live a sweet, holy, consecrated life in harmony, one with another and with God. And no matter what he throws this way and that way, just sweetly move on past it. Oh, praise be to God. When you're at peace by revelation of who you are. That scares the enemy. When you know that you're not an earthly being, (laughs) then earthly circumstances don't matter. When you have a revelation, I'm not from here, then things that are from here aren't going to weigh you down. When you got a revelation that you're a heavenly being, that you're a heavenly creation, that you came from God and you're going back to God. When you got a revelation that you always were a son of God, then it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. These things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, they are of eternal value. Oh, praise be to God, and what a promise. Even if this earthly tabernacle was dissolved, it doesn't matter because I have another one waiting for me. What not made with hands. Rapturing faith is a revelation. It's a rest. It's already at work in you. Because the word is manifest in you. The abstract is at work. Nothing can stop it once it starts. Hallelujah. Revelation must bring forth fruit. Because the revelation is the potentials in faith form. (laughs) The potentials of the bride of Christ was in you at birth in seed form. A predestinated seed. 
But by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a revelation. And that is the same potentials now realized in faith form. And faith will bring the word to pass. Because the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. There's no book like the Bible. For modern's events made clear by prophecy. See, there's no book like the Bible because the Bible is God in word form. The word is a thought expressed. God's thinking expresses it. His word through the prophets and they wrote the Bible which is in word form and Jesus called it a seed. In marriage and divorce, he says, do you know that the whole book, the whole Bible is a revelation? That's how you have to know the truth between this one and the other. It's because it's a revelation. And the revelation must be exactly with the word, not contrary to the word. You say, well, it was revealed to me. Then if it's contrary to the word, it never came from God. That's right. Any seed, the whole Bible, Jesus called it a seed. And any seed will bring forth of its kind in the right condition in the right atmosphere. Now this book of prophecy, it's foretelling future events. He says, now the book contains the entire revelation of Jesus Christ. This book contains the entire revelation of Jesus Christ. What did he call eternity? A revelation of Jesus Christ. He's already given it to you. is in every revelation. You don't take, add to it or take away from it. Every revelation comes by it. See, it must be the word. So people say, I had a revelation. We know Joseph Smith had many revelations and things, but they was contrary to the word. It's got to be according to the word of God, if it comes from God, because it's to vindicate or to prove God's presence. That's the purpose. True revelation vindicates the personal presence of God. That's how revelation works in the spiritual realm. You always were a son of God. You didn't come, you didn't come to God actively thinking you had some foreknowledge. You didn't become a Christian thinking, I... I I know I came from somewhere else. No, it was something in you pulling you. You didn't have all the revelation to start with. It's progressive. It's something that grows and gets deeper and stronger and deeper as the days go by. But because you were born in sin, you didn't know that. You didn't come actively thinking, no, I know that. I'm sure that I'm somebody. No, you came with a repentant heart. That's why he says, how do I receive this, Peter? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you all, it was always in you, though, potentially in seed form. 
But when you get into the Spirit, then God gives you revelation of who you always were before the foundation of the world. And that seed form begins to manifest because faith takes hold. And any seed, when it gets in the right atmosphere, will produce what's in that seed. Rapturing faith, we know, lies on those tapes. It's a very familiar statement to us. So if you keep listening and believing what the prophet said, then you can recognize him, Jesus Christ, when he makes himself known to you personally. That's the abstract of the body change. So that one day you will see him, you'll know him because you'll be like him. Because the revealing of Christ in flesh today is in a many-membered body bride form. You are his image. You know how powerful this revelation is? There was a man one day named Saul that looked at the Old Testament scriptures and by those he was proving that Jesus was not the Messiah in his own knowledge. So much convinced that he was persecuting the church even unto death. But when those same scriptures became revelation, the same scriptures that once proved that he wasn't the Messiah now prove that he is the Messiah. Even to the point where he was willing to give up his life for the revelation that was in him, that he knew it was the truth. And he couldn't call anything else real. I'm trying to wind down here. Is it all right? Now we notice, we will close on this quote. Uh, we, can, we can finish today. Finish this thought. I told my wife, I said, I've preached to this. will be the third service on the same set of notes. <laughs> and it is, and I'm still not halfway through them. Which makes me nervous with Brother Stephen and Bally coming this weekend. Because I know the way he ministers, I'm scared he'll take the rest of it. <sighs> he says, we notice here. That in Luke, the 17th chapter, the 30th verse, he said, In the last days, the Son of Man would reveal himself, as he did just before Sodom and Gomorrah. The same conditions, though, would exist. He told, he, taught, he told about Noah, how that people would be eating and drinking and so forth, marrying and giving in marriage, and that then he would come around. He said, As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the time when the Son of Man is being revealed. Now watch, the Son of Man was revealed to Abraham's group as a man. A prophet in a form of human flesh. An ordinary man with dust on his clothes. And Abraham called him Elohim. Now Jesus promised here that in the last days, the Son of Man will be revealed again to that same type of group. Same type like Abraham. The royal seed of Abraham, he says. Just before the fire falls, Remember, the church never receives any more witnesses. Abraham and them didn't. The promised son that they were looking for was brought right away after, after that. And the church is looking for the promised son. He will come right after the days in his ministry, of this ministry. He'll be revealed from the heavens. Now we see it too plain. It's got to be. Now the only thing there has to be is something pulsates, gets into a man. God vindicate 
and tell him and show him that that is the thing to happen. He's saying it almost cryptically there for a minute. The only thing that is something that has to be is something pulsates. What is it? That life within you gets into you and begins to vindicate the word of God to you. True revelation is a vindication of the personal presence of the Lord. It's vindicating, showing you that this is the thing to happen. In other words, showing you the revelation. Hallelujah. That rapture, rapturing faith can't stay on tapes. God's not coming for tapes. He's coming for people. It has to be revelation. Go back to the Patmos vision, then we'll close. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Revelation 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Brother Brown says, see, I was in the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? My, he says, I love that. You could just call those words the whole of the Christian life. If we're going to live as Christians, we have to be in his spirit. John was not talking about being in his own spirit. That would not have brought these visions. It had to be the spirit of God. It has to be the spirit of God with us or all our efforts are in vain. Paul said, I will pray in the spirit. I will sing in the spirit. I will live in the spirit. If there is anything good that will come to me, it has to be revealed by the spirit confirmed by the word and made manifest by the results that it bears. If there's anything good that will come to me, it has to be revealed by the spirit, confirmed by the word and made manifest in my life. As surely as John needed to be in the spirit to receive this tremendous revelations fresh from Jesus, we need to be in the spirit to understand the revelations that God has given to us. But to live by in his word, it has to be the same spirit. Praise be to God. How are we going to get rapturing faith, Brother Andrew? How are we going to get the rapture revelation? By the spirit. We have to live in the spirit so that he can bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Keep our mind stayed on him. Think about Acts chapter 2. What happened? They got in one mind and in one accord. How long did it take them? Ten days of getting everything else aside, getting everything else out of the way so they could get themselves stayed on Jesus Christ so he could come and give them the revelation that they were looking for. And did it come the way they were thinking? No, they had no idea it would be a rushing mighty wind. It would be tongues of fire. It would be going out and speaking in so many tongues and all these things happen. They didn't have a clue, but they got themselves aside to God. Church, if we could get ourselves holy, sanctified, as we read last time I ministered, Joel chapter 2, call a solemn gathering, a solemn feast. Consecrate yourself. The Spirit of God brings revelation. Revelation is the faith of God in his own word in you. How could it fail? Faith is the revelation. And faith waits with patience, Brother Branham says, and I have heard, but now I see. Faith waits with patience for the promised word to be revealed. Let's stand to our feet.
I believe the Lord wants to come. I believe he desires his bride. Fellowship more than anything else. He desires for us to have revelation. For us to draw closer to him. For us to come into his presence. For us to live with him day by day. For his word to be made manifest. He doesn't take any pleasure in the loss of a soul. That's not what the Lord takes pleasure in. He would that all men would be saved. He doesn't give God pleasure to see the sin that's in the world. I say, Lord, help us to live every day pleasing to him. Maybe we just sing that course together. Maybe just as a consecration, I'll invite Brother Ed to take the pulpit. Pleasing, let me be pleasing to you. Let me be pleasing to you. Yes, Lord. Let 